to Dear Patriarchy Podcast, the gaslit women's guide to surviving the corporate world. Just two sisters having hard conversations. I'm Jennifer. I'm Lisa. Welcome. Welcome. So we are talking about something we touched on last week briefly, which is gender contamination. I wanted first to put forward some statistics that got cut, not by my own hand, well, not Yes, by my own hand, but not, not of my own volition. I fucked mm. up, basically. And okay. <laughs> so there was a couple of really important statistics that I did speak about. And then um, because we had a couple of technical issues last week, they got magically cut out. So what I want to talk about is important statistics for women from the LGBTQ plus community and black women and women of color. In general, from the report, 52% of the women that were surveyed experienced some sort of harassment or microaggression in the past year. And LGBTQ plus women and black women and women of color were more likely to report lower levels of mental well-being and work-life balance compared with the overall sample of women, which is in total 5,000 women from 10 different countries, as a reminder. Mm. LGBTQ plus women were less likely than those who are not from the LGBTQ plus community to say that their employer's commitment to supporting women was sufficient during the COVID-19 crisis. And mm. women within the groups that we've that I've just identified, which is the women from the LGBTQ plus communities, as well as black women and women of color experienced more non-inclusive behaviors. Now we went in detail about examples of non-inclusive behaviors in the last episode. So please listen to that. I found it so enlightening because it picked up so many really subtle, nuanced behaviors that make you feel uncomfortable in the workplace, but you're not sure why it makes you uncomfortable. I mean, maybe uh, more women pick up on it and really react to it. But for myself, personally, I found it it great to read those behaviors knowing that those behaviors were happening and they weren't correct. And now I I had the language to, to know why they weren't. So Mm -hmm. compared with the white women that were interviewed in this study, black women and women of color were more likely to say that they had heard negative comments about their communication style and also had their judgment questioned. So that was one thing we also spoke about in the last episode about harassment and microaggression. So um, can I just pause you real quick? Yeah. Yeah. So the last episode we talked about the she session yes. and how much we hate that term. Okay. And then women from the LGBTQ plus communities are nearly four times more likely to say they've experienced jokes of a sexual nature than women who are not from those communities. And I, I think that we've spoken about this before. When you are a woman and you are not a cishat woman, your sexuality, your sexual orientation becomes sort of the focal point of your existence, especially in a uh, heteropatriarchal system or society. Those were really important. They were included. We did speak about them in last week's episode, but unfortunately due to some technical difficulties, when we went back to edit it, we found that that um, section had not recorded. So there are those statistics. They're really important. And we wanted to make sure that that information was there. So this week's week's episode, we want to speak about gender contamination. So gender contamination is actually technically a marketing term, but when we are talking about gender contamination, we're talking about the cultural disapproval that happens when objects that are seen as having a strong gender identity are used by the quote unquote wrong gender, right? So gender contamination is a 
definitely a huge product of a heteropatriarchal society. A heteropatriarchal society is a system where cis men and heterosexuals have authority over cis women and other sexual orientations and gender identities. In these societies, feminizations, in these societies and systems, sorry, I should say, feminization, anything to do with the feminine, the woman, correlates to losing status and power. Yes. One thing that I wanted to say as well is these systems, this society, this form of socio-political system upholds the power of men and masculinity. It upholds the power of whiteness and it upholds the power of affluence, wealth, right? There's another term that's really important when we're talking about this, which is androcentrism. We've been talking about this in the last couple episodes, and it is the practice of placing a masculine point of view at the center of the worldview, the culture, the history, right? Further marginalizing femininity. So I know that those seem like bigger terms, but they're it's important to understand that these systems are in place, these systems exist, and, and they are having an effect on how you view the world and how everyone around you views the world around them. So there's that. And also what is strong and what is weak. pure and yeah, what yeah, is yeah. weak and yeah. what is worthy, what is valuable. Yes, So what's really interesting about gender contamination is there is a amazing Harvard Business School senior lecturer named Jill Avery, and she has really studied this. She did a 2012 paper called Defending the Markers of Masculinity, and she specifically explored the gender contamination through Porsche's release of the Cayenne, which is like a, it's a Porsche SUV, right? In 2003. Male Porsche owners felt like this Porsche brand, this hyper-masculine sports car brand was being corrupted by by women, by SUV-loving women. So when Avery was putting this paper together, she was looking at online community responses and there was a bunch of different ones. So one Porsche fan said that this new SUV was an expensive strap-on for soccer moms and effeminate stockbrokers. Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> Yep. There is super upset. I already hate this episode because this makes me so mad. Yeah, yeah. But this is happening all the time. It's happening around you all the time. So let's put a name to it. Let's talk about what it is so that when you go back out in the world, you will see it and be like, I'm not down with that. And an- another one said that he could envision a woman driving this damn thing to pick up her kids as if there was, you know, no no worse face, fate in the world than a woman driving a Porsche to go pick her kids up, right? And then another one said, "How I wonder how many cup holders it will have. Just shoot me now. What the hell? So what Jill Avery pointed out was that when a cultural hierarchy is threatened, it's natural for the ones that have traditionally been at the top, I'm doing air quotes, to cling more tightly to the symbols of their old rank, right? And we spoke briefly about last week about how there are more women becoming family breadwinners. So pre-pandemic, in articles that were published in March of 2019, in the US, 29% of the family breadwinners were women. And in the UK, 27.6% of cishet partnered women earn the same or more than their partners. So obviously this is pre-pandemic. We need to have another look at where we are now because we've had a women's employment has had a major hit, a fatal blow from the pandemic. And we're still trying to get that information, but I just want to insert that in. So, right. So as more women became breadwinners and men were, are starting to lose majorities. So not only just men in the workplace, it's not only just men in their blue collar and white collar jobs. It's not the man's role to be the head of the household anymore. Like it was in like the fifties. They're really clinging on to the traditional markers of masculinity. This is why things like a boy's name, traditionally, Ashley, once it goes over, 
over into the girls' realm, you meet a boy named Ashley and you're like, that's a girl's name. Mm. Right? When men venture over the gender line, the supposed gender line of things, they risk denigration. But when women venture over that line, they're either unbothered by it or they're happy to aspire to the high, everything's in air quotes, higher status and power associated with men. Even as women are continuing to gain and hold and grow their own power, right? So yeah. examples of this are like a woman drinking a brand of whiskey that's marketed to men makes her feel, makes her look empowered for a male consumer. Drinking a diet soda that's been marketed to women can lead to a perception of him being more feminine. And mm. one of the, it's actually, I find this really funny, but apparently Luna Bar launched the whole nutrition bar for women in 1999, which is ages right. ago. I recognize that. But yeah. men were routinely calling and writing into the company to ask if eating those bars would turn them into women or cause them to what? grow breasts. Or cause them to grow breasts. Do you know how fucking popular they would be if they caused anyone to grow breasts? Well, I was going to say it would have to be the most ingenious subterfuge. Making a bar that has a wealth of progesterone and estrogen in it to the point where if trans women wanted to grow breasts, they wouldn't have to go to the doctor and yeah, get those. Yeah, but how many women do <laughs> gender affirming? Like, yeah, those like hand fart squish things yeah you so. know when you like squish to try to make your breast bigger which is funny because then you're actually like burning fat and like building up your muscles but i guess I, anyway holy yeah. crap so yeah. like sorry 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 i'm doing too much chair movement because i'm met so mad i know i know so like part of me like part part of me wants to be like oh that's funny like what dumb idiots but then at the same time like There's i've never watched a commercial for axe body spray and been like if i use this will i grow a penis you don't well, have I, anything to lose by being a woman, and men do. Ah, got it. Got it. And there is the crux yep. of this whole situation. There is the crux mm-hmm. of the whole situation. We are teaching boys and allowing men to believe that to be a woman is to be less than, less status, less authority, less power. So we raise boys and we encourage men to engage in this marketable phenomenon. Jenny, if you look at the details of it, if you look up Jill Avery, I mean, I'll put some links about what Jill Avery's work is. It's pretty amazing. This is only supposed to be a marketing trend, but it's playing on something that is already very alive and well. You know, you get like Luna Bar, you got men worrying if eating those bars is going to do something which is literally scientifically incredible. You would not be able to release a bar that would allow anybody to grow breasts. But it's something that is moving them so strongly. They're moving past common sense. Yes, I'm sure some of them are just, they're not quite there from an educational perspective. They just don't understand what goes into growing breasts. Like, I I get that. But it's the way the men reacted to the Porsche Cayenne. It's the way that men react to diet Coke. You know, Coke actually had to put out Coke Zero because there was such a stigma about men not drinking Diet Coke because they viewed it as feminine. Hold on, hold on. Sorry. Don't be sorry. So, I mean, obviously, whenever you see these ads, and, and I've watched a couple of different ones that are just absolutely disgusting, we don't see so much overt display of this phenomenon now. It's much more nuanced. It's much more code. But when they were first really kind of, well, they've been tapping into it forever, right? So I didn't realize this, but Marlboro cigarettes were originally marketed towards women. And then Mm. they really wanted men. So they went uber masculine and and created the Marlboro. Cowboy. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which for well, men, no, I, I just think, I think cowboys are one of those things which for a lot of men are like an uber realization of masculinity. They live right. in the friggin' no Wild West. Leathered, calloused hands. Anyway. Um, Col- colonizers. <laughs> Sorry. Yep, go. So I think that the thing for me, like thinking through this, that was one of the more insidious parts of this is the way that we treat and view teenage girls as opposed to how we treat teenage boys. Oh, yeah. And so at that level, like we are already saying, oh, teenage girls are this dumb, frivolous group, always screaming and like with their Lisa Frank folders and their fandom for whatever. But, and that same type of frivolity is not assigned to teenage boys. And then as you grow into adulthood, there's still a dumb girl thing attached to women, to young women. And then all the way through, and it's all different symptoms of this patriarchal evil. Yep. I just read a tweet today that said, why are women's arts called crafts? But when men do it, it's fine art. Things that have typically not been available to women, like pottery and sculpting and that kind of thing, is considered fine art. Although pottery probably is more of a craft now because it is more accessible to women. I was going to say that, yep. All the the things that women make and create, which are incredible, are crafts. Yep. But when a man does art, it's fine art. And then everything that's happening now with, with men being so emasculated by sharing the duties or getting or men so incensed by women demanding equal pay. There's even a movement during the, the most recent political campaigns to rescind women's right to vote. I know. And granted it didn't get and get very far, but there is a whole category of men. And I think that it's it's given further weight by this representation of, of scripture where women need to submit and better to live on the corner of a roof, live with an argumentative woman or you know, yeah. like all these things. Contentious woman. Contentious, right. So this thread of things, like it's not it's not relegated solely to marketing. Like it, it is an insidious thread that runs through the entire patriarchal structure and into capitalism as well, where women are less than yep. and men are dominant and correct. Yep. It wouldn't work if it wasn't there. It's the thing, right? The marketing strategy wouldn't work if it wasn't there. If it wasn't already ingrained in all of us. Think about when I sent you that tweet this morning. What did it say? Like, we should have teenage girls get into politics so men won't won't be interested anymore. Yes, I agree. Which is funny, but at the same time, it's like infuriating and sad. And like, as my girls get older, I'm noticing the difference in the way that we treat boys and girls. And I think it starts at a very, very young age. And it's really disheartening to see. Yes, it is really disheartening. And I have to say that if there are men listening, it it is so, so, so up to you to be a good ally. You can use accomplice, you can use whatever word you want. There are so many different thoughts about what word to use. But what I mean is I want men to stop being silent when bad things are happening, when bad things are being said. If you're at a party and some man says to your partner, your female partner, if you're in a cishet relationship, says to her, oh, can you just go and get drinks, honey? You're so much better at it than than I am. Say, you know what, man? Like, you don't need to say it like that to her. That's really patronizing. Mm -hmm. And I know that that sucks to have to say. I know that you put yourself in the line of fire when you stand up for women, but like, Honestly, isn't it time now to put yourself a little bit in the line of fire? 
Isn't it time now to say I'm going to take an active role in not minimizing and marginalizing the role of women in our society so that things can actually change? And so women won't be so freaking angry about everything all the time. You know, you want to see this this thing about, oh, how women, marriages used to last a lot longer. Yeah, well, women didn't have the right to open their own bank account until the 70s. They had no financial security, you know, up until very, well, very Was that all women in the 70s or was that just white women in the 70s? I need to look at that, but I'm pretty sure it's yeah. all women because that was, that was after the civil rights movement of the sixties. So I would say mm-hmm. yes, but in Saudi Arabia, it was just decided like this week or this month that yeah. women don't have to have a male chaperone to live alone. Like they can go about their business. They can drive, they can have lives, they can rent an apartment in 2021. When I went to university of Tennessee for like five seconds, I was part of a sorority for another five seconds and they had no sorority houses because in the state of Tennessee, I'm not sure if the law has been changed, but at that time, I think it was like six, if six or seven women lived together oh, without yes. a man, it's considered a brothel and is mm. illegal. Yeah. So that was in the late nineties, early 2000s. So there you I don't know if that law is still in place, but that seems pretty recent to me. Yep. There's other tweet that I saw this morning. So Greg Kelly, who's a Newsmax host, he's a conservative mm-hmm. dumpster fire. Anyway, mm-hmm. his tweet is, I'm watching a lot of, quotation mark, regular TV. There are no white men in any commercial. <laughs> I saw this too. Apparently overnight, we've lost our interest in, and he switches from regular text to all caps here. Apparently we've lost our interest in cars, finance, personal hygiene, furniture, insurance, pharmaceuticals, home repair, exercise, amusement parks, hotels, and then CL. Do you think that every single commercial he watched, one right after the other for all of those things, that there were no white people in those commercials? I would 100% do not believe him because I still think that there's a hell of a lot of white men in commercials. And living in the South, it's mostly white men in the commercials. Someone responds to him, oh, so you agree representation matters? <laughs> I love it. Which I thought was like so, so good. Here's the but thing. Just- he, he probably saw two or three commercials. That Uh didn't star and were entirely Mm -hmm. populated by a white man. Mm -hmm. And that pissed him right off. Mm -hmm. So he should die and come back as someone from a community that has been marginalized under Mm -hmm. white man's authority. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. see how it feels to live that every day of your life instead of see it for five minutes on TV. Yeah. From his place of extreme and regal privilege. What a no, I saw I saw another kind of a text exchange that went on on Facebook, which is accessible and no one should ever go on Facebook. Nope. Someone posted an article about critical race theory saying, like, why are we fighting about this? Like, why is this a problem? Like, let's teach history the way that it's it happened rather than, yep. like, whitewashing it. Yep, yep, yep. And someone wrote in a comment, well, I published a paper on a civil rights memorial um, in an architecture class and people were so hard on me because I was white and I wanted to build this, this civil rights memorial. And I kind of know how, nope, these are her words. I know how black people feel. And it was like one assignment, dude, like one assignment. And just like this guy, like he saw, he saw a tranche of commercials that like were inclusive and all of a sudden it's I'm under attack. And this woman like turned in one assignment and 
probably was, to- I'm guessing was tone deaf. As- yep. And her black professor was hard on. I don't know what to say to that other than just deal with it. Do we want to talk about how this exists in the workplace? I would love that. We know that in the workplace, in a capitalist corporate environment, heteropatriarchal microcosm, which is what the corporate world is, masculinity and societal norms that heteropatriarchal societal societal norms dictate that power remains with typically, right, or disproportionately with white cis men. And you get discrimination against women, LGBTQ plus employees, people with disabilities, those who don't conform to traditional stereotypes, that's so sort of gendered stereotypes as well. And then obviously there is the systemic racism, which extends to all people from black uh, communities and from communities of color. So we know that already. We've spoken about that at length. When we see women who rise to positions of power in the workplace, it tends to be because they have adopted male traits in quotes. So one of the main ways that women can succeed and compete in a male dominated environment is to make themselves more like a man, again, in quotes. This is the common advice that women are given. So when you look at Google, any kind of like how to succeed in the workplace as a woman, guaranteed if there's a list of 10, at least five of those suggestions for how to succeed will ask that you become less emotional, will ask that you become more concerned about the way that you're communicating, right? So don't communicate how you naturally would as a woman, whatever that means for you, but communicate in a style which will tell you to be more direct, more this, more that, all things that we traditionally associate with the way that men communicate. There's a bunch of other ways that you would get told, but we have looked, we have studied it, we know for the for this podcast and also for the book that we are just finishing, we know that that is what women are being told. Mm-hmm. We also know that it doesn't work. And personally have been told. <laughs> and personally have been told. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work long term. It doesn't work short term. All it does is it makes you unknowable because you aren't being you. And that also but means... But the thing yes, is, men yeah. are allowed to be emotional. Yeah. Intense. Uh, passionate. Stern. Uh, hardworking, ambitious. Yes, yeah, stern. Not easy to please, right? So all of these different code right. words that mean when you use it for a woman, it becomes negative. Or the kiss of death on a woman's career. The ever popular unlikable. And I got to say, I've worked with a shit ton of men who were seriously fucking unlikable and everyone walked around on pins and needles to make sure that they stayed happy. And I've never seen that done for a woman. And I've worked for some women that were rough to work with, but they were working in hard industries. And I know now as I get older, I understand why they didn't give a fuck anymore. And that's why they were fucking successful, but they had to move around a lot because they had to behave a certain way. They had to be stern, driven, ambitious, focused. They had to be hard on their employees. And I've seen that with men of all levels as they progress in their career. And I, with my internalized misogyny, judged these women so harshly because everyone else was. It was always like, oh, well, I wonder where she came from. And I wonder why, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I'm not making excuses for people that are just assholes at work because you will work with people that are assholes and that are not champions for other women. But the women that I've worked with that were, finger quotation marks, hard to get along with, a lot of times were amazing champions for other women. All of that to say that when when we're in the workplace, we judge men and women. Women are meant to disappear and kind of sink into the background 
or be overly kind, overly fawning, overly helpful, and like kind of like this team mom bullshit, rather than being like, right, team, this is how we're going to get it done. And if you don't do it, then like you're out of here. Instead, women have to be held to this. Like they have to be pillow soft while men can be whatever. I appreciate you just telling the story of what you've seen. That's been your journey. Definitely. And the hardest thing as I look back on these situations in retrospect is to see how deeply ingrained internalized misogyny and the patriarchy was within me. Um, Yeah. I mean, even to the point where like when we first started this podcast, I wasn't 100% comfortable with fuck the patriarchy. I know. Because seriously, it's a good one. It's okay. What was I so respectful of? What is that? It's what you were taught. Jenny, we all have it in us. I'm exactly the same way. There, I always know now when I'm hesitant to talk about something or I feel uncomfortable, I need to explore what I'm uncomfortable about. And it usually yeah. is ingrained systemic racism or ingrained patriarchal beliefs. Yeah. Every single time. Mm. There is like a 0.001% where what I'm uncomfortable talking about is because it's deeply inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, probably both our parents feel like our podcast is deeply inappropriate. Oh my gosh, so. yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but I digress. But yeah, you absolutely do. <laughs> right. So we've talked about that work experience and we've spoken about the experiences of what it can look like for women in the workplace. Um, but we also need to talk about how destructive heteropatriarchal systems are to men themselves. So anger and aggression is pretty much the default way that stress manifests itself in men. And it leads to addiction issues. And it also leads to the fact that suicide is still the number one global cause of death for men under the age of 45. Which Master- is so sad. Which is so sad. Yes, it is so sad. And definitely like there need to be men that are actively speaking about this and like using their platform. So, I mean, I'm sure that there is and and maybe we can try to find some, but like, Mm. I don't see a ton of work being done in this, in that arena. It's hard. Well, men have to want to help themselves, but they have to recognize that the problems that are there, it's a system, it's not them. I think a lot of men get really, really stuck in the us versus men mentality that they think that feminism is, that they think womanism, that they think any kind of belief that puts equality and equity at the forefront. So if they can get past, if men can get past the fact that it's not about them, it's about the system, the patriarchal system, the hetero patriarchal system that is making so, is marginalizing so many people, then I think that they'll be in a place to actually speak about things like toxic masculinity, which toxic masculinity in the workplace, it's not like as obvious as sexual harassment can be. Sometimes it's just being dismissive about a colleague or having old boys club work conversations, you know, excluding people from things that you're involved in. Exclusion is deeply wrong and it shouldn't be happening. So on the surface, it doesn't, it doesn't always look. But in essence, that's what the corporate structure is all about is exclusion. Exclusion and separation. You need, you need to have people. Yes. You need to have that, that. That classes system that says, if you work hard, you will get here. Aspiration. So for men, it's, I get that it's not easy, but unfortunately, now is the time, right? And we've said, you know, being an ally, being an accomplice, whatever you want to call it, isn't easy. Mm -hmm. Because when you reject masculine norms, 
when you speak out about sexism or homophobia or biphobia or transphobia or anything like that, that is in direct contradiction with the masculine norms that we've all been fed on since we were born. Yeah. You're putting yourself in the firing line. You are going to have a negative outcome. I'm sorry, but you will. You absolutely will. But look, being an ally is, it's being courageous. It's calling out exclusionary behavior. When you see it happen in the workplace or anywhere, right? I'm going to say in the workplace because this is what our podcast is about in the workplace. But it's the world as well. The corporate environment is a microcosm of the greater world outside. As an ally, you have to be proactive and learn as much as possible about what is causing inequity, what is causing inequality, and how you can address it. But you need to be speaking to people who have views and experiences that are different to your own. That is super, super important. White men don't learn about this from other white men. And you need to be really, really concerned if you're on any kind of a diversity panel and everyone is a white man. Just gonna throw that bad boy out there. And you have to be willing to challenge your own biases and and behaviors. Exactly. And you have to be willing to challenge what you hold to be true because a lot of times it's hard to even decipher where that came from. Yes. And I'm finding out that more often than not, kind of the ideals I held from childhood are deeply harmful. And and you have to make a safe space for the people around you, making sure that you advocate for equality in the workplace. Every time you see something, like there's no time to wait around or talk to someone after, like be an advocate, like for other people around you, especially if you have the intelligence and understanding to realize that you are steeped in privilege. Absolutely. I would say also be an advocate when, even when things aren't going wrong. So if you're being offered a pay rise, you can always ask the question, is everyone else getting this too? Are there any other women that are getting this? You can just ask the question. It would be great to ask the question because at least you've asked it then. Right. So also there's some actions as employees that we can all do. So If there's unconscious bias training happening at your workplace, sign up for it and learn to identify and disrupt your own biases. That's so important. Seek out mentors who nurture inclusive qualities and behaviors. If you're the victim of bad behavior and you can't, you don't feel like you can call the behavior out or it's not working when you do call it out, make a formal complaint through your organization's reporting channels, but always challenge or questions policies or practices in your workplace that don't feel right to you. And then just a final one as leadership actions is assess your own leadership and communication styles. Ensure that they're all inclusive. Do all your team members have equal airtime during meetings? Are you using masculine or domineering language? Do you treat your female and male team members differently? And make sure that you ask your colleagues to give you constructive feedback on your own behavior. And you have to be okay with listening to that and making changes if they do feel comfortable doing it. As a role model, as a leader, you should be walking the walk and talking the talk. And then focusing on creating an inclusive workplace culture that respects openness and diverse perspectives and influence others by taking a stance and refusing to to serve on all male boards, all male panels, anything like that. Ask for diversity. If you are a white man, ask for diversity. You have a much better chance of it happening than anyone else does, honestly. And that's what I wanted to talk about today. How do you feel as we come to the end of our shoe? I don't know. I, I It just further shines a light on like why we need to do this work. Great. And why 
we have to keep fighting and Let's it's do just it. exhausting and infuriating yeah. and I agree. I'm glad we did it, but it's just like it's so blatant and yeah. there's so much gaslighting surrounding it. Like there I know that there will be folks lining up as we put a post out about this that this is not real. So. Yeah, but we do know it's real. And you know what? A lot of the times when we've been sort of wary and thinking that people were really gonna clap back were the times when people didn't. Yeah. So let's just see how it goes. But really, yeah. I mean, thank you so much to everybody for listening. It's been a fantastic 31 shows that we've done now and we just love doing it. I'm calling them shows. I don't know why they're episodes. And you please make sure that you, if possible, you subscribe on whatever yes. podcast platform you're listening on and rate and review if you could because that really, really helps our visibility on podcast platforms. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dear Patriarchy Pod. We are on Twitter at Patriarchy underscore pod, but we are not great at it. We are nope. on TikTok. <laughs> TikTok oh so TikTok, we are Patriarchy Pod. And as always, please send us emails at patriarchypod at gmail.com. We love getting your notes. Shamaze. And your encouragement and hearing your stories. And we love as it. always. Love, light, and good night. Good night.